G'day, welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm Graham Curry, your host from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and I successfully maintained that weight loss now, coming up two years. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what it's like to living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm also the author of the book, The Fasting Highway, which is a story of my journey overcoming chronic addiction to fast food and sugar and taking that walk from morbid obesity to normality. So sit back here with us on the Fasting Highway in the next few weeks and listen to some inspiring guests and some experts in the intermittent fasting community. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway. And this is episode 40. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Juliet Osborne. And Juliet is from Bangor, Maine in the United States, a beautiful part of the world, they tell me. And Juliet has been a Christian for some 25 years, and she's been married to Michael for almost as long. She has four children, ages four to 17. And life has been full but good for Juliet, but just not all she wanted it to be health-wise. Her journey is quite remarkable, and some of the NSVs that she's about to tell us are truly amazing. And here to tell us about that journey is Juliet. Welcome. Oh, good day, Juliet, and welcome to the Fasting Highway. And thank you so much for joining me today. Well, hello. Yeah, thanks so much for being here, Juliet. What we might do is if we could just grab some of your backstory and about how you found your way to intermittent fasting and how you exactly found out about it. Sure. Well, so a friend of mine had read Delay, Don't Deny, and she had some questions about fasting. And she knew that I had grown up in a family that uh, had done fasting regularly and like once a week. And so she was concerned that she was going to starve. And I, of course, told her that she was not going to starve. And um, and that's kind of how it got started. She had an amazingly successful time um instituting intermittent fasting in her life, she went, she must have dropped 60 pounds in a very short period of time. It was miraculous. So after watching her for about three months, I said, all right, let me see your book. And I read it probably, I might've been three or four chapters in. I thought, man, this must be what I'm missing. This must be the tool that I need. And so that's pretty much it. I got started. Um, in October of last year and haven't looked back. It's been amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. So Juliet, when you came to intermittent fasting and you started, how did you work out what your fasting protocol was? What were you doing? Well, I think when I first started, uh, because I had quite a bit of experience with fasting, like um, probably from late teenager, I had done like a uh, like a 24 hour fast once a week, not clean fasting though. I have to say I had always had a cup of coffee with some cream and some sort of sweetener in it, but I didn't eat. I've seen from food. And then later on, um, when I got really sick, I'll talk about that later. I had gone to like two, two days a week and I always felt super good fasting. So when I first started intermittent fasting, I pro I think I skipped to like lunch and then within uh, just a couple of weeks, it was down to about a four-hour window, kind of an early afternoon, and then had a quick supper or a little bit later in the day. 
And it was about four hours. And that's been mostly what I've done over the last year. Okay. And so if you don't mind sharing, Juliet, what was your weight sort of looking like when you started intermittent fasting and, and what height are you as well? Sure. So I tried to be really clever and figure out, you know, this pounds and kilos and stones and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I think when I first started intermittent fasting, I was about 215 and 215 pounds. And let's see if I can find my notes here that told me how much that actually was. See, two, I was 230 about a year before that. I had done keto, which I, just like Jen, I hated it. Just, I was miserable. Um, so let's see, 230, that's about 104 kilos. Um, I'm five foot six. And I've always been very athletic, though. So I carry quite a bit of muscle, even though I was, you know, heavier. Um, so I wore like a extra large shirt, size 18. And when I first started intermittent fasting, it was miraculous because I immediately dropped a size, didn't drop very much weight, but immediately dropped a size in clothing, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great. And so when you started, Juliet, were you eating all the things or were you restricting anything in your window? I think in the very beginning, I ate probably all the things I wanted to see if it would work. Now, my friend she eats anything, anything at all. And over the course of a year, she lost 60 plus pounds. And I don't think she restricts anything. But with all the health issues I have, I find that being more consistent uh, with not eating all the things, I certainly feel better. Um, and I don't know that it impacts my weight loss a whole lot, but it does impact how I feel, which is, I think is just as important. Yeah, and have you found that your tastes have changed at all, Juliet, since you've been intermittent fasting compared to what they were before? No, um, I think because my parents, uh, you know, we had a farm, we had a lot of whole foods, and, you know, I, I grew up with a love for veggies and fruits and beans and, you know, whole grains, so that really didn't shift a whole lot. I think appetite correction was huge, you know, like... Um, <laughs> I think before intermittent fasting, if I wanted to sit down and eat, uh, I don't know, whatever, a box of Oreos, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. And after intermittent fasting, I don't remember how many months in, but at some point, maybe three or four months in, I realized, oh, I don't really want a whole box of, or I'm exaggerating, but you know, a lot of Oreos. And I just realized I didn't want to eat them like that anymore. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? How we just get that signal when our appetite corrects when we're eating in our window, we just get to that point where it's almost deafening, that signal, isn't it, when to stop? Yes. I think for a while I struggled even, you know, just from decades of calorie counting. So I'm, I'm in my early 40s. And I would say from <clears throat> I was aware I was not thin probably at eight or nine. I, you know, so it's been a long time of trying different diets. None of the diets I ever tried were ever super unhealthy. You know, there, there was always a, a real element of whole foods, but it always came down to some sort of calorie counting, some sort of tracking something. And when I would eat in my four hour window, I would get done eating and think, oh, surely I must need more food than this. You know, I would, I would kind of have that sigh and I would feel full and I would know logically that I had eaten and I was full and everything I had eaten because I like a lot of fruits and veggies and good healthy fats that I had eaten lots of nourishment, but my brain just thought, Oh, there's no way you haven't eaten your 20 
200 calories or what, you know, whatever you're supposed to have to maintain. Um, so that was really hard to overcome. Yeah, that's great. And so, Juliet, right from the start, were you clean fasting? No, I think it was about six months in, actually. Okay, now, so tell us tell us about that. With What were you doing with the uh, opposite to clean fasting for that six months? Um, well, I think because I had done keto prior to that, I, I immediately took out the stevia because that made sense with everything. Because I, I had read, goodness, you know, Dr. Fung's book. I've read his obesity code, his diabetes code. I had read Jin's book three times. Um, I like to study things, a little bit of a geek. And then what else did I read? Uh, the Blue Zones. Um, let's see. Um, there was a couple other um, neurological books that I had read, oh, neuroscience that I found fascinating. So you put all that together and I realized, oh, I can't have the sweet taste. But because keto groups have you doing like bulletproof coffee and <clears throat> I just thought the cream was fine. So I left it. I did like a dairy-free creamer. And it was about six months in and I hit this unbelievable plateau. I had been losing weight slowly, but I had really been transitioning into size. Like my sizes had changed dramatically. I went from an 18 to a 14 in just a couple months. And uh, even though I'd only been, lost about 12 pounds, um, but when I really stalled, it was like four, five, almost six months, I lost nothing uh, and probably lost about a, a like a, a dress size in that time. But it was clear something wasn't working. And that's when I was listening to one of Jen's podcasts and somebody mentioned that they weren't clean fasting. And I thought, well, clean fasting, how did I miss that? So I, I took the cream around and immediately started noticing a difference. Like the fast became so much easier. It was remarkable. Yeah, that's amazing. Like <clears throat> nearly everybody I talked to, Juliet, that did start off perhaps um, doing things like dirty fasting and then they switched into that clean fast, they immediately noticed a lot of difference and not just weight loss, but, you know, things like more energy and mental clarity. Did you find that when you just done the pure clean fast? I did. What I think was the most telling, honestly, was first of all, the fast wasn't hard. That was really nice. And I was kind of struggling again, like I had in the very beginning. But my sleep patterns, I have one of those Fitbit watches, and my sleep pattern changed dramatically within less than a week. I, I mean, it was huge. You know, like my, my deep sleep was better. My REM sleep was better. I was sleeping longer at night. And that was, yeah, maybe day four or five in. It was remarkable. Yeah, that was just giving your body that rest, wasn't it, with that yeah. clean fast? Yeah. So, Juliet, we talk about the non-scale victories and the health benefits, and I I know this is an area you wanted to talk about, so please feel free to take your time and, and run us through the health benefits and the non-scale victories that you found with intermittent fasting. Sure. So I'm trying to think. I Mentally and emotionally, I was amazed about how, you know, Kim Smith talks about the freedom that comes with it. And for me, there was such a peace that came from, I think, not wrestling with a diet, not wrestling and obsessing over tracking everything, um, not not being super distracted by everybody else's journey, like just that that mindset that makes you feel not at peace 
was remarkable to me. And that kind of came, you know, it wasn't like this, you know, I woke up one day and all of a sudden I had this Zen sort of stage in my brain from intermittent fasting. But what I did notice is that it seemed like every month I made progress towards feeling more at peace with my health journey through intermittent fasting. Uh, you know, it was either more at peace with the scale, more at peace with how my body looked. You know, you talk, I loved the podcast. I think it was with your wife. You did two of them where you talked about just, you know, you were the life of the party. You had a really good time, but there was part of you that was just self-conscious about being in this bigger body. And, and I think for me over the last year, just really, like I said, decades of dieting, decades of um, not being comfortable sort of in my own skin in varying degrees and to have that be just totally different now is remarkable. Yeah, I think what you touched on there is, yes, I was the life of the party. And I think one of the reasons that I was actually masking the fact that I was obese and I was trying to draw attention away from that, I guess, thinking back. But I just wanted to circle back there a bit. You talked about the plateau. Uh, how did you sort of get through that plateau? What were some of the strategies you worked through? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I got a mentor through the, the Facebook page. That was nice. <laughs> that was very helpful. Just having someone say, it's okay. You you know, it's going to take some time. Um, that was really helpful. I think also realizing that not only was I not clean fasting, which is such a silly phrase to say dirty fasting, because you're just not, you're just not fasting. It's just not that complicated. You're abstaining from food. Sure. But so, you know, clean fasting and then I realized that I was taking supplements in the morning and how I missed that. I have no idea. I just did. And, and that again, in fact, that was actually such a heartbreaking moment. I was about a month into clean fasting. So I think that puts me in about month six or seven. And, and I was still just not, I hadn't shifted into, you know, just the magic of the lots of energy and the weight kind of falling off and just all the things people talk about. And I was just really struggling and I was praying and, and then it just struck me that, oh my goodness sakes, I, I have these supplements every morning that I take. And I was so angry. I thought I can't even not eat right. And isn't that funny how we kind of beat ourselves up in the middle of the process of even intermittent fasting, which is so simple that we can make it complicated. Um, I think that Jen might even have, like, you can ask for a mentor. I think that's, I think that's how it started. And actually, it's funny because Lena actually lives in Australia. I don't know where, but somewhere in Australia. So we were laughing about that. Um, yeah, she was, shout out to her. She was awesome. She was very patient, very encouraging. Um, you know, she would offer advice. She would kind of ask me where I was struggling. Uh, I think the thing that she did the most was just tell me to give it time and to be patient you know, try a protocol for a period of time. And if you'd given it a month and you weren't really liking it or uh, it wasn't working, well, then you try another one. And that was just so encouraging to me. But the time factor, because see, I have a lot of health issues coming into lupus, uh, coming into intermittent fa um, fasting. And she said, you know, you've got all these health issues. You're going to have to, I mean, I've been sick, you know, over, over a decade, 12 years. And she goes, you've been sick that long, really sick. It's going to take you a long time to feel a lot, lot, lot better. And that was really encouraging. Yeah, I think another important thing you mentioned there is about comparisons to other people. And this is an experimental one. We're all different. And we all have a different journey. Our bodies are all different. And we've all faced different health issues. 
So speaking of that, Juliet, how about we move into that now? And can you just explain some of those health issues if, you, if you're free to share? Oh, sure. So with, uh, let's see, my third child, um, I was in my early 30s and I developed lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disorder. And I was very blessed to get diagnosed very quickly because generally it takes about two years to get diagnosed because it looks like a lot of other diseases. And so being an autoimmune disorder, your body attacks itself. Now, most other autoimmune disorders, it will attack one thing in particular, like, you know, um, it might, you know, with rheumatoid arthritis, it's only going to attack your, you know, your joints, um, with, uh, like, uh, Crohn's disease is going to attack, um, you know, your part of your digestive system, um, MS, you've got different nerve things. So with lupus, it's called systemic lupus, and then it can attack literally anything. And so when I was first sick, I was so sick to the point that I, um, I was bedridden often. I was in a wheelchair, um, you know, joint pain so severe that I couldn't uh, button my pants. Um, <clears throat> I would be so fatigued to the point I couldn't feed myself. Uh, my husband had to give me baths. I had to have people in here cleaning my house and doing my groceries. And I was at home with, um, let's see, a five-year-old and a two-year-old and then a baby about six months when I got diagnosed. Um, and that was, oh, it was crazy hard. Um, you know, there've been some really amazing things that have happened through having lupus. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for anything. You know, like my, my husband's, I mean, he was cool before that, but he's an even better husband and an even better dad and even better friend for having, you know, had a wife that was so chronically sick for so long. And my kids are just the most amazing people, very self-reliant, very independent, incredibly good with people that are sick. So I wouldn't change having had such a debilitating disease for such a long time, but it's really nice to not feel that way now. <laughs> really, it's it's remarkable. Like, for example, um, oh, and migraines. I've had daily migraines since I was a teenager. Um, I would have 15 to 25 a month needing hardcore medicine for it. Uh, let's see what else. Um, and when you have an autoimmune disorder, you're so much more likely to have other things. I had issues with my with my skin, fibromyalgia, with my digestive tract. Um, you know, my, my hair fell out at times. It, uh, it was just messy, <laughs> I guess. And uh, within a month of starting intermittent fasting, and this was not even clean fasting, okay? Within a month, my migraines almost disappeared. It, it, it's remarkable. Um, I went down to probably three to five a month. And about a month in, and what's funny is I didn't tell my husband that I was going to do intermittent fasting because I think he would have been like, what are you doing? That sounds crazy. He's very protective of me, which is sweet. Um, but about a month in, he goes, what are you doing? And I want in. So he started fasting actually uh, about a month after I did. So that was really cool. Um, but let's see what else. So my migraines are nearly non-existent. It's, it's awesome. And my joint pain, I can do whatever I want. Um... I haven't been in a wheelchair in over a you know, well since I started, so it's been over a year now. I wow, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, let's see, um, I used to take a nap every day for almost two hours because I would be so fatigued in the middle of the day. In fact, I used to listen to Melanie and Jen's podcast, the intermittent, the, the basic intermittent one, fasting one, and I would fall asleep to it every day. <laughs> My nap, not that they're boring. I just would. I would turn it on and listen to part of it and fall asleep, you know, 20, 30 minutes in. And then when I get up from my nap, I'd, you know, put my headphones on and finish it up while I was, you know, 
putzing around the house or whatever, but I don't take naps at all anymore, like at all. So, okay. So it's an autoimmune disorder. And like I said, uh, systemic lupus can attack any part of your body. So for example, one year when I was really trying to get in shape, I pushed it so hard that it gave myself pericarditis and pericarditis is inflammation of the lining of your heart. It basically feels like you're having a heart attack all the time. It's horrible. I was, I took me about six months to get over that. And, um, so it can attack there. It, it attacks my joints. Um, it attacks like when I'm really tired, uh, it's like my mouth doesn't want to work. It's the strangest thing. Uh, it can, what else it can, uh, you have to watch your kidneys. Your kidneys can be impacted by it. Um, you can have issues with your mind, your digestive system. Yeah. So it's just an autoimmune disorder. Yeah. So quite a few of those things you mentioned, the lupus, the fibromyalgia and your migraines and that sort of thing with fasting, how much, how much is of that do you put down to sort of getting past a lot of these things? Oh, it's 100%. Okay. No, I take that back. Wow. It's probably 85% because I do have, you know, if I eat a bunch of MSG, even if I'm fasting, I'll get a migraine because I have issues with that. If I eat too much dairy, I'm going to be bloated and not feel as well. And my joints will be a little achy. Same thing with gluten. If I eat too much of it, but I can, other than I have a peanut allergy, so obviously I'm not eating peanuts, but other than peanuts and MSG, I can literally eat anything I want and feel, you know, at 85%. So intermittent fasting has changed those things that much. It's like, I'm not, I don't have an autoimmune disorder. Well, I don't have a handful of them. How's that? Yeah, absolutely remarkable. And I'm so pleased you're out of that wheelchair. And I really hope that people, you know, with these sort of similar things that you're talking about, I mean, they've got nothing to lose by trying something like intermittent fasting. I mean, obviously, you have to consult with your doctor. We're not medical experts here dishing out medical advice. But I mean, so many of these testaments about all these various ailments and healing that happens with intermittent fasting, it just can't be ignored, Juliet. There's just so much of it. And I know personally, a lot of the things have happened with me, like I've mentioned on this podcast many times, I've interviewed now dozens of people that have all reported similar sort of things happening to them. So the case is fairly strong, wouldn't you think? Oh, I would say so. Absolutely. In fact, my my primary doctor and my rheumatologist, that's who you see for my lupus doctor, were both um, very, very pro my doing intermittent fasting. They both, not only had they both done some intermittent fasting, they had followed different protocols. They both had patients, other patients that had done it. You know, they hadn't seen quite the results like I was having, uh, but they were very encouraging that they think it's wonderful and they encouraged me to continue doing it. And so it's pretty awesome. Yeah, so many people are getting into it now. So in your circle, Juliet, obviously your health transformation is quite remarkable. And um, if anybody has seen your photographs, it's truly jaw-dropping. So your friends and family and work colleagues and that sort of thing, or just people in your general circle, have a few of them taken up IF? Oh, lots. Yeah. Well, I think because because my weight loss has not been super dramatic. I mean, like I said, I mean, you're talking turtle, you know, 26, 25 or 26 pounds over the course of an entire year. Um, but I have lost, you know, size wise has been pretty dramatic from a size, a very squished into a size 18 to a size 10. That's pretty dramatic for just having lost 26 pounds. And, and I think that the body recomposition for, 
the, you know, like the fat percentage, that's enormously, you know, skewed that I have much more, you know, much more muscle than you would think for just having dropped 26 pounds. So people are really starting to notice it now. Uh, but I, I definitely think what they notice even more is like my skin, you know, with lupus, you can't be out in the sun at all. Um, it'll bring on a flare and I could be hospitalized or have kidney failure or any other number of things. And I mean, I was out in the sun all summer this, this, this year, it was so awesome. So I, I mean, not that, I think people should be that tan is necessarily um, a good measurement of health. But I was, you know, I was out in the sun. I didn't look pale and pasty because I couldn't be out. And so, you know, my skin just looked better and the lack of inflammation, that kind of readiness that you always get on your face when, you know, you have that constant inflammation is gone. Um, Yeah. So you put those things together. But my friends all know me as someone who can be very, very, very ill at times. And just to see that not be there, I'm sure is pretty remarkable. So, you know, I'll get asked, you know, what are you doing? Um, I'm also very social. So, um, you know, lots of times, granted, it's been different with COVID, you know, so we're not probably socializing like we were, but if I'm out with my friends and, you know, we're drinking coffee, I'm, I'm always having a black or I'm having my tea or, oh, I don't mind going out to eat with you, but I'm going to have my seltzer water, you know, so they all notice it. And I'm, I'm pretty open with what I'm doing but never pushy because some people just do not want to hear it. That's okay. Yeah, I agree. You've got to pick your marks too sometimes. And I find if you know somebody at your workplace or in your circle, is there a bit of a negative person? Then just don't bother telling them. Tell the people that champion you. Tell your best friends. Tell the people that love everything about you and let them encourage you and support you. And obviously you have a very supportive family and so when you took up intermittent fasting, uh, does your husband do it or is he interested in or does he just support you? Oh, no, he does it with me. Yep. Yeah, because oh, what, what does he do? Well, he so he has type 2 diabetes and um, he does probably like a 16-8 is pretty typical. He'll do shorter windows depending on what we're doing. He might do more like an 18-6, but that's kind of his sweet spot. And, you know, he's brought his sugars from in the 200s down into the, you know, probably 160s. Wow, that's fantastic. And we're seeing more doctors and medical clinics now treating type 2 diabetes patients with intermittent fasting. And you may have heard Sarah Cull on episode 12 talk about that in the clinic in New Zealand where she works. And they've done all these um, case studies on people with type 2 diabetes and using intermittent fasting as a frontline defense. And in their particular clinic, they won't refer patients to weight loss surgery. They just start them on intermittent fasting. That's awesome. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's um, with your doctors being on board and you talked about the fasting there. And so in your city where you live, do you have many connections with other intermittent fasters that you know of? Is it people talk about it much? Well, so there's quite a few... Um, in my small circle at church that do it, which is, which is kind of fun. Um, and there are in my family, let's see. So I'm, I'm from a big family. There's nine of us. And so I've told all my sisters and all my sister-in-laws and, you know, several of them have given it a whirl. One of them was doing well and then she got pregnant. So she's on pause. Um, and then, you know, a handful of my friends are doing it now. And I think, I think that having read all the material that I read beforehand, it made me much less fearful 
about, you know, the bumps in the road that you might get when you're fasting. And I would certainly recommend that to people because, you know, people, my friends will call me and they'll say, well, you know, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about calories? Or what about, you know, just all the questions that we all have. And, um, you know, just having the information right there at my fingertips makes, I can alleviate their fears that no, you're not going to starve. And, uh, you know, you're going to get your calories. And if you're hungry more, eat more tomorrow. It's <laughs> pretty simple. Yeah. I love that when people say to me, oh, you're starving yourself. And I, I always say to them, funny, you know, <clears throat> I've never been to a funeral, Juliet, where some somebody's delivered a eulogy and said, here lies the bones of Graham. Graham died because he didn't eat breakfast. <laughs> you know, it just, it just amazes me that people have that mentality. And when I say to people, hey, you fast too, and they go, no, we don't. And I say, well, yes, you do. I mean, every human being that fasts, that sleeps, is fasting. Because if if you're in bed sleeping for eight hours, then you're actually fasting. You're not eating. You're not taking any calories in. Unless you're getting up in the middle of the night and going to the fridge a few times, you're actually doing a clean fast for eight hours. (laughs) So all, all we're doing really is just extending that time and delaying in the day until we eat. And all I really say to people is, look, all I do is I just eat later in the day. I just prefer to do that. And looking back, I know, thinking about it, I remember my mum quite often used to not have breakfast some days. And I remember her saying to me a few times, oh, I don't really have breakfast sometimes. And I think she was probably doing some form of intermittent fasting way back then, even though she later years she had a weight problem. Interesting. Well, you know, my husband, we were on our walk tonight. He he said, I've always hated breakfast. I don't want to get up and eat. I'm not even awake yet. You know, he goes, I, I've got to go to work and that's good enough. I don't really want to eat breakfast. And, um, you know, he loves not eating until lunchtime. You know what I love best about breakfast and intermittent fasting is I can have breakfast for dinner and I call it Brenna. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's so great. Like people say, oh, you know, I can't eat breakfast. I can't have sausages and bacon because you want me to do this fasting in the evening. I said, well, what's stopping you from having sausages and bacon in the evening? Yeah, well, who doesn't like pancakes for breakfast? I mean, you know, having that at dinner time. So Exactly. So, Juliet, you mentioned there you walking with your husband, and obviously that's a triumph in itself given the fact you're in a wheelchair not that long ago. So is exercise something now you really crave? Yeah, but I've I've always been very active, even when I was at my heaviest, like when I I was about 260, um, when I, towards the very end of my pregnancy with my first daughter, and I started running and and during that pregnancy, (laughs) I didn't look pretty doing it, but I did it. (laughs) Um, So I've always liked to be physical. Um, I think the struggle for me was I could never match what I was eating with the exercise I was doing and get where I wanted to get. You know, I could either outwork the food I was eating and exercise super intensely, super hard, you know, and then give myself all these physical ailments. Or I could just do something simple like, like, you know, we do a three mile walk every day, well, six days a week. And that's just simple. If we want to do something more arduous, we'll, we'll do a high, um, a harder hike. But it's just something we can do. It's easy on my joints. It's I can fit it in, you know, as long even when it's 15 degrees and it was cold today, uh, we can fit it in. It's really good for his diabetes. Um, so, yeah, we just I, I what I love is that with intermittent fasting, I never have to exercise and be full. 
you know, that used to have all these pre-workouts and post-workout, you know, workout drinks or this or that. And I just, I eat when I'm eating and I exercise and I'm exercising and I don't really think about it. Yeah. So Juliet, with maintenance, when you sort of start thinking about that, have you thought about that or are you just going to wait till you get there and then just play around with it and try to work something out at the time? You, You haven't got any plans for that? Well, actually, because so I've tried a couple different protocols. Like I generally like about a four hour window. That's like my happy spot. Uh, but to, to shake things up, you know, I've tried ADF. I've tried, uh, you know, doing like a three, four or a four, three or a two, five. And I've done, you know, the 500 calories and I've done the, you know, just not eating at all during the day. And what I notice with my, my health issues that when I stray too far from the four hour eating, uh, eating window regularly, I just don't feel well. Like if I have a, you know, like an up day, I'm much more likely to have a migraine the next day. It, it's almost guaranteed. Something about having my system full of food, you know, two and a half to three meals uh, a day or two in a row, I just, I'm I likely to get a migraine. And uh, the same thing with like my joint pain is more when I have more food, but when I go too long fasting, like my, my fasting window is too long, too many days in a row. I also find that it's harder on my lupus and I, and I, it's like this funky, delicate balance. And, and that was another thing that frustrated me this summer. You know, when I was in that stall, I was trying all these other protocols and it's like, if I strayed too far from sort of that sweet spot, I just didn't feel well. And Lena gave me real encouragement that it's okay. If, if this is what works for you, it's okay to do this literally forever. Exactly. With the ADF, um, just tell us about your experiences with that and what were you actually doing? Were you trying something like that mealless Monday or, or what were you doing? Yeah, exactly that. Like I said, I had tried some of the the alternate day fasting where I, you know, would fast all day and then I would have a small meal, like a 500, 600 calorie meal. And, and that was okay. It was okay having a small meal. Um, but then I just never felt quite as good the next day. Like I love being in the fasted state. Um, or if I had a day where I ate, I didn't eat anything the whole day, like, yeah, mealless Monday, um, therapeutic Thursdays, because those are kind of my, my favorite days to do long fasts as, as Monday and Thursdays. Um, but those longer fasts, like I just didn't feel, I could tell, okay, you know, so I've been sick a long time. I could feel my, my brain fog being a little foggier on the next day, or I could feel my joint pain being a little bit more, um, noticeable, or I might not sleep as well. And sleep is such a huge thing for, um, managing any kind of autoimmune disorder that the balance was just harder to maintain when I was trying some of these more, what would be more extreme. I love the idea of it, like I said, and maybe, maybe when my body has had another year of healing, I'll give them a whirl again. Uh, but at this point, it's definitely just the, you know, four or five hour window. I do have an update occasionally. I'll just, if I'm doing stuff, my family wants to do things, I'll just, I'll just have an update. I just can't do them too often. So yeah, I think ADF for the right reasons, and we've had a couple of people on the podcast explain it, including Rachel Arwat in um, episode six. And we've got Roxy Marino coming up too, who runs that Mealless Monday. And I spoke to Roxy for about an hour and a half about Mealless Mondays and how these all work. And her explanation is just fantastic. 
And I think if you are going to do them, then do them for the right reasons. And I know, Juliet, sometimes I get people calling me on the Monday or they'll send me a message and say, hey, I went out on Saturday night and had a few beers and I ended up at the kebab shop two o'clock in the morning and now I've put on four or five pounds. You know, I might have to do a 50-hour fast. And I say, well, no, you don't have to do that. I mean, you have to do these things for the right reasons. Don't do them for self-punishment or because you're beating yourself up, you think you have to do an extended fast. You simply go back to your normal. If it's an OMAD protocol you're on and it's working for you, then just revert back to that. And so I'm the same, Juliet. I um, I sort of can't go more than a day. Uh, I really need to eat once a day. That's just how I roll. And my whole weight loss journey was based around 23 and 1, work for me. And now in maintenance, it's 22 and 2 during the week and 16 and 8 on the weekend so I can open up that social schedule a little bit. And I think we all just have to find our sweet spot, don't we? Yes. Yes. Well, and I think I enjoy it. Like I'm trying to think, it might've been when you were talking to, to Lou, your wife, it might've been the one you did most recently when you talked about just the fasting highway and, you know, kind of how you got the name and that you love road trips and stopping here and seeing this. And, and I love that because that's exactly how I think about fasting and feasting. You know, when I'm in that fasted state, I, I, I have this, this mindset that I'm protecting it. I'm protecting my fast. I'm protecting my fast from distractions. I'm protecting my fast from pressures from other people to eat. I'm protecting my fast from even my own temptations to, oh, I just want a cookie or, oh, I want the cream or my coffee or whatever. I, I protect that. And in the same way, I protect my feasting. You know, th- there's no guilt. Like, yes, I try to be very, um, I would say diligent, not even disciplined, but just diligent about making sure that the food I am eating is good quality and has good nourishment. But if I want to follow that meal up with, uh, I don't know, a cream horn, then I follow it up with a cream horn and no guilt. I get just, I protect my, even my feasting from, from guilt and from pressure and from tracking and from measuring, you know, just all of that diety sort of mindset. And because I'm doing that, I'm able to just enjoy both processes. And when I fuss too much with the different protocols, I feel like I'm overthinking it even though they're not complicated, whereas just my OMAD, my, you know, four hour window, I'm just, I just enjoy it so much. Yes. I'm excited to get to that, that place. And I think um, one of my favorite things about the fact that it has been so slow for me is that I, I'm less afraid of the rebound. Like I think it, for me, from years of doing different diets, that if it had come off quickly, I think I would have been much more afraid of the rebound. Whereas it's been so just steadily, um, you know, going down half a pound here, a pound here, half a pound here, that I feel like mentally I've been able to catch up as much as my body has to this is just my way of life. This is just, this is my my wellness journey. And this is just the simplest way to do it. And so I, I don't see it shifting a whole lot. I figure when I get there, if I'm hungrier, I'll eat a little more. <laughs> yeah, it's just using those tools that we're given um, with intermittent fasting to tweak. And even in maintaining, you still got to be vigilant. And why I weigh every day is because I have done since the start, and I only missed for a couple of weeks when I was in Japan. But I find it's like an accountability partner for me and I just, you know, it scales to me is like brushing my teeth or putting on my pants. It's just something I do. I glance at it and I go, yeah, okay, that's all right. I'm in the range. That's cool. But one of the reasons I 
I do that is because I feel if I'd have had scales that actually could have weighed me when I was obese, Juliet, then I may not have got obese as I did. And also, it's easier for me to rein in five pounds than what it is to wait till my pants start getting tight and jump on a scale and find out I'm up 15 pounds. Sure. Well, you know, I even did a little experiment about a month ago and I just, I didn't weigh and I didn't track. Now I've tracked with a tracker, you know, my, my fasting window uh, since the very beginning and weighed since the very beginning. And I just wanted to know, I don't know how I was going to respond to maybe thinking about maintenance in the future, how I was going to respond to would I be a person that didn't weigh and didn't track or would I do it? And I loved the freedom to not think about it, but I missed, I love what you said, the accountability. And I, I, it's not even about having the, the data or the numbers for me. It's just when I close my app, I'm done. And I don't, or don't, even though I kind of have the same window that I've had for an entire year, but I close it and I'm done. And then when I open it, then I eat and I enjoy it. And the same thing with the scale. I, I get on, I look at the number and, oh, okay, we're, you know, we're moving forward in the right trajectory. So on about my day. So I like the accountability of it. I think I will probably do it. I don't know how long, but whatever, when I'm, when I'm done doing, I know I'll be done. Yeah. So Juliet, we talked about the social aspect and obviously we've got the Christmas um, period coming up and new year and all that sort of thing. And lots of work parties and functions, or maybe not for everybody. I mean, I'm talking from an Australian perspective here where our life is pretty much normal now. And um, I really feel for you guys up there being locked down and all that sort of thing. But how did you find when you started intermittent fasting that you used to handle those social occasions? Was that a worry for you when you first started about how you're going to get around with the intermittent fasting? You know, I think last year went so smooth that I wasn't that worried about it this year. You know, I just, I knew that I would eat all day on on Thanksgiving and I knew that I'd eat all day on Christmas and probably New Year's and that was going to be it. And the rest of it, I was just going to do my window. And that's exactly what I'm doing this year. Um, We had a couple more birthday parties, a couple of other things that were in addition to this year in the last month. And I just, you know, I, I just went to the things and ate till I was done. And that was that. Um, I always have a handful of almonds and an apple to break my fast. Um, I think almost every single day. And so if I'm going to go someplace, I'll just have my snack before I leave. And then, so right away, I'm not going to be near as, as hungry as I would normally be, but no guilt. That's just it. I love that. No guilt, no worrying about it. And I feel so honestly, I feel heartbroken for my friends that are still, you know, doing the, well, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to be eating and I feel really bad, but it's the holidays. So I'm going to do it anyways, you know, and they're, they're stressed about it. And I feel bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is the holidays and I know Jen talks about things like Saturday isn't a special occasion and all that, but sometimes, you know, particularly this year, if you haven't seen friends and family, like we're going to Sydney, for instance, next week uh, from Perth and we haven't seen uh, my wife's family now for, nearly a year and her parents grew elderly and it's been a real stressful time because our states have been locked down um the borders and that and if you did travel you had to quarantine for 14 days but now that's all been opened up here in australia the whole country were able to travel so that's great but yeah we've been missing that so i can't imagine what it's like for you guys not even be able to go and visit your parents close by or you know your friends or family and that sort of thing so that's stressful times but 
I would say to people that are been doing intermittent fasting, this is your first Christmas coming up, then enjoy it. Go and have fun, you know, and just get back to your fasting protocol straight afterwards and you'll be fine. Yes, I would totally agree. So, Juliet, we're going to wrap it up in a minute, but what I really wanted to get from you is I'd love to get you back on the podcast in six months or nearly 12 months' time to follow you up to see where you're at. But if you had advice for people that were in a similar situation to you when you first started out, and knowing what you know now, what are some of the things that you would pass on and tell them? Well, I would say definitely not to lose hope because the healing is real and, you know, giving yourself enough time in that healing state. Like if you're, if you're having really long eating windows, you're not really probably going to give yourself enough time in the healing state. So, you know, try to lengthen those out. I think that really helps. But also when you have any kind of severe underlying health issue, you have to give your body time to, to rest and time to adjust. And, um, you know, on the same hand, don't push for necessarily a 23 and one right off the bat, you kind of ease into it. Um, cause I'm not the first person I've talked to that has uh, lupus or, um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis or any of those other autoimmune disorders who said that it took them a good five or six, seven months before they really started noticing they felt better. They just had to give themselves time. So that's, that's really important. And also that, Time, I think, is the best tweak as well. Giving yourself time to to ease into it, time to embrace it, time to enjoy it, time to undo all those diety mindsets. Uh, what, what's something else? I think someone said one time that you might be in just a season. Like like what I'm doing right now might not be what I did six months ago. Might not be what I do six months from now. And, and that's okay that that might shift and change and just kind of being aware of your body and that its needs might change. That's okay too. You know, I went through a period of time where I was getting a lot more sunshine, a lot more physical exercise, like outdoors. And so I wasn't near as like bluesy, you know, right now, like I said, I went for a walk just now and it was 15 degrees. That's cold. So I'm not going to be outside for the hours I was during the summer, so I might need to shift some of the nutrients that I'm having. I might need to shift my window so that I can take some of those supplements to help with any depression that I have. And so just being really flexible with it as well, even though I'm disciplined about making sure I have a four-hour window, being flexible as to when that happens during the day, I think it's really important when you're dealing with a chronic illness. Yeah, I think that message of time that you gave there is the important one. And I think with intermittent fasting, you really need to give it six to 12 months before you can give it a full critique. I mean, often we see people, you know, saying things like, I've been doing this for two weeks and it's not working. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it is working, but it's just going to take a bit more time than that. And I say to people, you know, it took me, I don't know about you, Juliet, but it took me 55 years to get as obese as I did. And by you and add on the chronic addictions that I had with that, and I knew I wasn't going to take five minutes to beat it. And it ended up taking me 15 months to, to get to where I was. And so people need to know that with intermittent fasting, it isn't a silver bullet that, you know, lose 28 pounds in 15 days sort of thing. I mean, some people might do that, but I think that's rare. 
And I think your weight loss is actually really great, Juliet. I mean, 26 pounds is a, quite a lot of weight. I think some people out there would kill to do that in 12 months. And and particularly on you're not an overly um, huge person in general. So that is quite a bit of weight. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, uh, what amazed me is that I wore a size 10 before when I was 150 pounds. That's just remarkable to me. Like, I weigh quite a bit more than that right now about 185 and I'm wearing a size 10. Like that's just as remarkable. I mean, I literally have clothes in my closet that I wore then uh, that I can wear now. Did you find with the clothing that was something that you did you as they got big on you and that sort of thing, you got rid of them pretty quick so they weren't coming back to your wardrobe? <laughs> I do love your story about, oh, I went out shopping and there, there's my bank account showing the, that I yeah. went out <laughs> That was funny. Um, what I did notice was I think right away, I gave myself permission to not hold on to stuff. Uh, maybe from seeing my friend's success, you know, that I could tell this was definitely going to be something that that's going to work for me. And, but I think that I needed to break ties because before, you know, I would go on a diet, I would lose weight. And then two or three years later, I would have gained it all back you know, and then plus some. So I think for me, part of that mindset was refusing to go back. In fact, here's a funny story. I recently, when I went from my 12s to my 10s, I had, um, I'd gotten some nice hand-me-downs from a friend of mine who had lost some weight and I got all her 10s. And I had a sister who um, was, had done a big construction project at her house and she had ruined with nail holes and sawdust and who knows what else, a couple pair of her favorite 12s. And I said, come to my house, stop by. I, I just sort of shuffled these out and I'd like you to take them. And she was thrilled. But honestly, Graham, my tens were just a little snug. So I, I had a little elastic band through the, the belt loop and around the button because I wasn't going back to those tens. I mean, to the twelves. It was so funny. Um, but that was my motivation. Of course, they fit fine now. So Yeah, it's the mindset. And that's the whole thing around it. And I, I know I talk about that a lot, but opt for me. Clothes are the uniform of obesity. And when you're obese, you don't have a lot of choice. And obesity used to choose my clothes, and now I do. And I think that's so important. But, mm. Juliet, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to talk to you. And I think your take on this is fantastic. And I know that you're going to be super successful, and you already are. And I think you're a shining light for other people to follow, particularly if you've had a few challenges with your health and that sort of thing. But Juliet, thank you so much for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. Thank you, Graham. It's just been a real pleasure. I, I appreciate it so much being asked. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Juliet. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, thank you, Juliet. I really enjoyed that chat with you. And I think your journey has been truly amazing. Those NSVs are just mind-blowing. And it never ceases to surprise me, the healing powers of intermittent fasting. And thank you so much for joining us. Much appreciated. So next week, coming up on a podcast, we've got Michelle Montone. And Michelle is also known in the Instagram world as Clean Fasting Mama. And Michelle has an amazing journey also, and a real credit to herself. And she's showing up all the time and encouraging others. And her story is very motivating. So don't forget to tune in for that one next week. And thank you also to those that have been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, uh, out on Amazon now in both paperback and Kindle. Much appreciated. So until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, 
clean fasting is everlasting.